0: Let me take you back to uh, September the 19th, 2010. September the 19th. This was my ordination service here at Emanuel. Um, the pastor at the time, Don Allen, had asked me to preach at my ordination service. Uh, it was kind of a, an honor to be able to do that. One of the things that I did after... Uh, Being asked to preach at my own ordination service was I invited my family to come and participate in that uh, event. It was a very special time. However, another very important event took place that night in that um, in the middle of the service, I decided that would be a perfect time to ask uh, a young lady by the name of Catherine, who I was dating at the time, Uh, to be my wife. So I decided in the middle of the sermon to bring her up. Uh, First of all, if you know my wife, she hates being in front of people. And another thing about my wife is that she hates to have her feet touched. Doesn't matter. So I got lucky in the aspect of my wife never, ever asked me to rub her feet, ever. (laughs) And uh, she hates it. So, in this moment, and you know that I ended up marrying Catherine, so uh, I won't say that um, this story does not have a bad ending. It has a great ending. So, uh, But in this time, uh, she, you can see a picture here. I have a, this is a very blurry picture. Uh, if you look at a manual back in the day, we used to have pews and pink carpet. I know y'all wouldn't say it's pink. It's mauve. It was pink. Uh, so... I in the middle of the service bring her down. I take her um, shoes off. I start washing her uh, her feet as I talk about serving people. I was talking about service, talking about my ordination service, and I'm talking about how what it looks like to serve other people. And so at that point, I ask her uh, to marry me, and she says yes. And of course, the rest is written in the Chronicles of the Spears. Um, If you haven't figured it out, tonight we're talking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And it's kind of an interesting story uh, right here in the book of John. We see, as I talked about last week, the first part of John really highlights the miracles or the um, signs that Jesus was performing to show those following him who he really was. And then... Last part of the book of John, the second half of the book of John, is really going to point us to the cross. It's all headed towards the cross and ultimately to the resurrection. Highlighting God's plan uh, for, to redeem his people through the sacrifice of his son. And as John the Baptist, uh, we talked about, proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as we look at our story tonight, It's going to be a stark contrast uh, to everything that the disciples knew. Everything that they thought was normal. It's going to be completely different. And so what Jesus is about to unfold before the disciples, he's trying to teach them a new way. He's trying to teach them um, that all the things that you have known from the past, everything that you think is normal, I'm going to flip it on its head. And so he's going to teach him a new way, which leads to our big idea. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's taken straight out of Mark 10 45. The Son of Man came not to serve, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So with that, John chapter 13. Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, taking a towel, t- tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Who said to him, "Lord, do you wash my feet?" Jesus answered, "What I am doing, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand." Peter said to him, "You shall never wash my feet." Jesus answered him, "If I do not wash you, you have no share with me." Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garment, to resume his, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know, I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you will believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one who's, whom receives the one I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me let's pray tonight God we thank you so much for your word we thank you so much for uh, this example of service that you're giving to us merely hours before you head to the cross and Father, I pray that um, as we look at this story and we look at our own lives and what you have done for us, we would, in essence, we would uh, try to mimic exactly what you have done for us. So, Father, I pray that you help this scripture to make sense to us. And I pray that we would obey you fully in what you are asking us to do from this text. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I started telling you about my wife. It's a really funny story of how we met, how God brought us together. Uh, I can't go into all the details because Landon does say um, you only have a set amount of time to uh, tell things, so pick the most important. But to say that Catherine and I are polar opposites would be an understatement. If you know me and you know my wife, you know that we are as Opposite as you can get. I am loud. She is not. Uh, She is beautiful. I am not as beautiful. (laughs) You're welcome. I like noise. I like music. She likes quiet and a book. Um, When I go home on Sunday afternoon, if I want to relax, I will turn on the TV and watch something for leisure. She will go bury her face in the pillow and take a nap. She is incredibly smart. I have to work very hard at learning things. She is very patient. Uh, I am quick-tempered. If you know me at all, you know that to be true. And so I tell you these things because there is absolutely no reason why we should work together. But I'm serious. It works. I don't know why. I really don't, but I thank the Lord every day for her. I love her so much. One of the things that I really love about my wife is the fact that she does not like gifts like other women like gifts. Okay? And let me explain what I'm talking about. Flowers. My wife cannot keep any plant alive. And she says, that's a waste of money. Do not buy me flowers. Chocolates. While my wife loves chocolate, she equates chocolate to extra time on the treadmill. So therefore, she says, leave the chocolates alone. Her weakness or her favorite gifts are two things. Number one, movie theater butter, uh, popcorn with all the butter on it, extra butter, extra, extra, extra butter, right? She loves movie theater popcorn, tubs of it. She can eat it all day long. Uh, So that's number one. Secondly, she loves acts of service. Uh, This week, I made it a point on Monday to empty the dishwasher because I knew I was going to talk about it tonight. (laughs) And sure enough, she came home and she said, Who emptied the dishwasher? Well, obviously Isaiah and Abigail did not. So um, she loves when things like that take place. When uh, she has this load, she does her, I do all the laundry in the house. I love laundry. I do all the laundry in the house except for hers. I do mine, the kids, the bedding, the towels, all of it. She does hers. I leave hers alone. She always will leave a load in the dryer. Always. The last load in the dryer. I don't know why. That's one of her downfalls, I guess. <laughs> She's going to hate me when she hears this. Uh, if I'm feeling generous, if I'm feeling kind, I want to serve her, I'll fold the clothes and leave them on the dryer. I don't want to put them up because then it's misplaced. And I don't know where they go. So, But freshly cleaned sheets, she loves it, right? Bed made, freshly clean sheets, whew, top on the priority list. House picked up, the floor mopped, she loves it. She would rather me do those things than buy her anything all day long. Jewelry, nah, mop the floor. That's what I want. And so... Those are very high on her priority list. Now, I do these things for my wife because I love her dearly, and I know that she loves me. uh, She loves me even more when I do these things for her. Okay? But can I let you in on a little bit of a secret? And I know this is going to come as a surprise to many of you. I am not perfect, (laughs) I mess up. I still, from time to time, will lose my temper. Um, I sometimes don't put the dishes away. Go figure. Uh, and I know this is really hard to imagine for many of you. But sometimes I can be a jerk. I know. It's, it's really hard. I know. But there's many times where I can be a jerk. Why do I tell you those things about myself? Here's why. Because when I, when you think about this story. And when you think about Jesus and what he's about to do for the disciples. I don't want you to miss how much Jesus loves his disciples and how much Jesus loves us. Because here at the beginning of this text, we're going to see some things about Jesus that I think he wants to show us in this moment. That leads us to point number one. Jesus loves you. I wanted to put there, Jesus loves you to the end. Now, it says here, before the... Feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that his time was coming to an end. All throughout the the Gospels, he says, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. And now Jesus is saying, it's time. It's time for me to depart. He realizes that it's getting close. Uh, He's headed to the cross. He's headed to die Uh, For the sins of the world. And so, this is exactly why he was sent into the world. So, what would you do? I want you to think about this. Serious question. What would you do if you knew you had one week to live? What would you do? I think a lot of people would inwardly have a pity party. They would hunker away in their house. They would not want to talk to a lot of people Maybe spend their last hours with their family, feel sorry for themselves. Now, it did not take me, it took me a long time to think about a list of things I would do. But it did not take me very long to think of a list of things that I would not do. First of all, I would not diet. Diet. I would eat whatever I want to eat, right? I would not exercise. I don't know about you, but I just wouldn't be high on my priority list. I would not go to work. Now, on the flip side of that, I love my job. I'm not going to say that I don't. I love my job. But I probably am not coming in. If I have a week to live, eh, Angie, give me my time off. I'll just just write it down. But what would you do? There's an old prophet named Tim McGraw. He he had a song called uh, Live Like You Were Dying. Song about a man, and he gets some grim news. A doctor tells him there's a bad diagnosis, you don't have long to live. And so, him and his buddy are talking about, you know, I don't have that much longer left. What are you going to do? And the chorus says, I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Now, I would not do that if I only had a week to live. I'm not getting on a bull, it's not high on my priority list. He says, I loved deeper, I spoke sweeter, I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And the chorus finishes by him telling his buddy, and I hope someday you get the chance to live like you're dying. Because he looks at things a little bit differently. He's coming to the end of his life, and he says, maybe that's what we would do. We would go and we would try to cross off as many of those bucket list items that we have on our list. We would do exactly those types of things. Jesus, however, knowing that he was hours, days, just a few, from death, he turns his attention to others, to the disciples. The creator of the universe, God in human flesh, hours away from sweating great drops of blood, from being abandoned, from being betrayed, from being arrested... From being beaten, he turns his attention to his disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world. You know, Jesus had spent lots of times with the crowds. He had spent lots of time teaching the crowds. But in this moment, he turns away from the masses on all the chaos. And he hones in on his disciples. And he wants to spend time with them. And he wants to serve them as we're about to see and in this upper room discourse or this farewell, farewell discourse that uh, you read about this week uh, throughout John, he's preparing these guys, these last things, these last moments he's going to spend with them. And he's going to do the exact last thing that these guys expect. First of all, in going to his death. But second of all, washing their feet. This is not what they would have expected. And so, he's going to wash their feet. But he loves them to the end. What does that mean? I Kind of did some studying, a few commentators. It could mean that he loves them deeply, uh, very deeply. It could mean that he loves them to the end of his life. It could possibly mean that he loves them to the end of time. Uh, I think, to be honest, the answer to all three of those was probably yes. He did love them deeply. He is going to love them till the end of his life. He is going to love them till the end of time. He loved them to the end. Next, we're going to see that first of all, Jesus loves us, second of all, loves you. Secondly, Jesus serves you. Notice the action here. Verse 1. He knows that his time has come. Um, he knows that it, his time has come to die. Uh, now, like I said earlier, I think a lot of us would, if we knew we only had a week to live, we would try to get things in order, right? Get all of my affairs in order. Maybe you would hunker down, spend time with family. I know I would. Maybe you would say goodby- your goodbyes to those that you love the most. Uh, go eat your favorite meal. Go to salt grass, patch ribeye, medium, asparagus, wedge salad. Yes, please. But not Jesus. He turns his attention to loving the disciples, to serving the disciples. And look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. A few things that are on Jesus' mind are those. He knew that he was being given all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth was his. And he realized that the Father had given him that authority. Secondly, he knew where he was from. He knew who he belonged to. And not just knew who he belonged to. He knew the purpose for which he came. And he also knew. First I have the cross. But I know where I'm going after that. I'm going back with the father. You know and it's. If you think about this verse. And what's going through Jesus' mind. It's really hard to wrap our brains around it. In this moment. When his time had come. What he's been Heading towards the whole time, with all that knowledge, with what was about to happen. How does he respond? He's going to serve. And Jesus is about to completely blow their mind with the act that he's about to do. This isn't typical behavior. Philippians, in the book of Philippians, Paul writes this. It's up on the screen. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And this was his attitude. Right here, hours before the cross, this was his attitude. I'm taking the form of a servant, and I'm going to serve these men. You know, I thought this week, in preparation for this, I tried to put myself in the worst of worst conditions. Because as we're going to talk about in a minute, the feet washing thing is is gross. It's gross work. In my thinking, I went to a story, the worst... uh, conditions that I've ever encountered in my years of ministry, Um, there was a time when our missions pastor, Chris, encountered a lady on the side of the road. And through a few conversations with this lady, uh, Chris grabs uh, Alan and myself, and we go over to this lady's house to help her with her plumbing, because her plumbing is not working. So we go over to her house, and when I tell you that this is the worst conditions I've ever faced, and I think about uh, right now. As I, if I close my eyes, I can still kind of smell those smells and remember those sights. Whatever you can imagine in your mind, it was worse. It was way worse, and uh, literally had to pray multiple times. Lord, get me through this, because I was like, this is the, this is the. Grossest thing I've ever encountered. And in that moment, uh, my pride kind of took over. not going to lie. And I thought, what am I doing here? Trying to plunge a toilet that's not plunging, that's not working. Trying to get this lady's plumbing working. And uh, it's taking everything in my power to not just gag. And yet, I think to myself... Poor me, poor Chris. Poor Alan, he's up on the roof trying to run a snake and he's he's probably had the worst of it. Um, Now, I say that because I want you to think about what it must have been for Jesus to step out of heaven. A place where he's worshipped, a place where he's total perfection, fellowship with the Father. And he steps onto this sinful, messed up world where people hate him, people uh, want him to die. Ultimately, he is going to die. He could look around at this whole situation and say, you know what, I'm coming to die, and you guys better get ready, and you better bow down, because I'm God, and I deserve all of this praise that you're about to give me. But that's not how he reacts. Let's see what he does. Verse 4, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments... Taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So in essence, he takes off his outer garment, takes this long towel, uh, one to wash the disciples' feet, one to dry the disciples' feet. um, To do this job of washing feet... In this day and age, uh, Jewish servants were not even required to do this. It was thought of as below them. So even if you were a Jewish servant within the house, you were not asked to do this. This was a job specifically for women, children, or Gentile servants or slaves. And so I want you to picture... Uh, I want you to look at this picture. This is kind of what you would have gotten when they reclined at the table. He gets up from dinner, removes his garment, and they would have been facing inward to the table. You can see how all their feet are facing out. And usually when you would have a gathering like this, and there was a servant who would wash the feet of those around, it's almost like, I don't even want to look at you washing my feet. Just wash my feet peasant, get this over with so that I can get on with my meal. That's why the, their face would be towards the table and their feet would be towards the outside. You didn't even want to mess with, this was nasty, the grossest of gross. And if you look at old, if you look at Middle Eastern customs, even today, it's the ultimate insult to take off your shoe and throw it at someone. That's the ultimate, because feet are considered nasty. So to take off your shoe and throw it at someone, it happened to George Bush several times while he would go over to the Middle East. And so, um, think of these guys' feet. They don't have Nikes. If they're old, they don't have New Balance. They would wear sandals. And this was in a day where it wasn't cool to wear socks and sandals yet, right? Um, you are laughing because I do that, and it's, it's awesome. Um, these roads that they walked on they were not for vehicles. The mode of transportation was animals. Those animals would relieve themselves on the road whenever that they wanted to. And so the very roads that you walked on were exactly where the animals would relieve themselves. The dust, the mud, the nastiness all on their feet. This was a very gross job to wash feet. Like I said, even the Jewish servants were not required to do this. And so, if you were lucky enough to have a dinner gathering and someone said, Hey, we have someone to wash feet, you're like, Yes, this is awesome. You would get your feet washed. So, Jesus does this takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around him, and begins to wash their feet. And the disciples respond, What are you doing? Leave it up to good old Peter to get the conversation started, right? Peter gets a lot of things wrong. And he knows he gets a lot of things wrong. He knows he speaks earlier than he should. And so I think in this moment, Peter's probably like, I got this. Then came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Gotta love Peter. I think we gotta love Peter because a lot of us are a lot like Peter. Kent Hughes says this: this is the greatest quote of the night. Good old Peter, sometimes the only time he opened his mouth was to change feet. And as I was thinking about to get. As he is thinking, I got this right, man. I, gonna, he's not going to wash my feet. I'm going to stand up. You're not going to wash my feet. Peter says, this just isn't right. You're the master. You're the Lord. You're God. You don't serve us. We serve you. You have this backwards, Jesus. We don't, you need to let us wash your feet. You don't need to wash our feet. And just like Jesus has done all along, he's flipping this story on its head. And just to make sure, I don't want us to always have this Peter bashing thing going on where we just, man, Peter, you're such a goofball. You're such a mess up. You mess everything up. I love how we're going to give Peter some props here because guess what? We are slaves to Christ. And guess what? We do owe Jesus everything. And... We owe him our obedience. We owe him our life. So, in essence, Peter has it kind of right. And I love how in verse 13, Jesus even says to him, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. Guess what? Peter, you hit the nail on the head. But that's not what I'm doing. I'm going to wash you. And that brings us back to our big idea of the night, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everything that they think they know, Jesus is changing their minds on. Everything that they think is normal, Jesus is changing their mind on. And he tells them, I know you don't understand this right now. But just give it a few days, you're going to get it. You're go- it's all going to make sense. And so, the creator of the world, God made flesh, the word the one deserving of all honor and all glory, the one and only Son of God, God Himself, stoops down and He washes the disciples' feet. And included in that was all twelve. Don't miss that. All twelve. Even the feet of the very man who was about to walk out of the room and turn him over for thirty pieces of silver. He had clean feet though, right? Jesus stooped down and he served the disciples. So he loves us. He serves us. Thirdly, he cleanses you. He cleanses you. Peter said to him, verse 8, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my head and my hands. And Jesus said, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but it's completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So Jesus explains to Peter, if I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. Here Jesus is talking to him about the inheritance. He's talking to him about the blessing. And he's telling him, this is all or nothing. You can't have it halfway partly way. It's all or nothing. And Peter, again, he opens up his mouth and he says, okay, you say you have to wash my feet. Well, if you have to wash my feet, then you're going to wash all of me. Arms, legs, head, just go ahead and wash all of me. Okay? So there's this conversation that's going to happen between Jesus and Peter, and he explains to him that someone who's taken a bath doesn't need to Only their feet are dirty. I thought about a Kenyan bath. I actually thought about this as uh, uh, Chris was talking about um, Kenya and the water supplies. I actually thought about sometimes you uh, see Kenyans taking a bath, and it's literally a bucket of water in the middle of the yard, and they're standing there, and they wash. They stand up, and they get the water, and it looks freezing cold. I'm like, nope, nope, that would not work. And so that's how they bathe. What happens when they get out of the basin? Their feet are dirty instantly. And so that's kind of the picture he has here of having to wash them. Only your feet are dirty. Because someone could physically take a bath and only their feet would be dirty. But he's speaking to him metaphorically here. Because Jesus is telling him, your feet are the dirtiest part of you. And so if Jesus does that, you are If Jesus cleanses you, then you are clean. You don't need a bath, you need Jesus. And so it's not about physical water, it's about Jesus' power to cleanse. Matt Carter says it like this The point right here is not the depth of Peter's sin, the point is the necessity of Jesus' sacrifice. And that's what all this is pointing to. Yes, it is about service, yes, it is about serving the disciples. But ultimately, it's about their cleansing. Cleansing from sin. And just as Jesus displays a beautiful picture of serving the disciples here in this moment, they also have to, in humility, they have this opportunity for humility as well. Because it must, this must have been one of the most difficult situations that Jesus ever placed them in. You're not going to wash our feet. This would have been highly uncomfortable for them, especially after seeing Jesus for who he really was, calming the storm, raising Lazarus from the dead. This is hours after he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so, here, they would have had to prepare themselves for that. Ultimately, they needed to be humble enough to know their need for cleansing as well. So I ask you tonight, do you realize your need for cleansing? I think a lot of us would respond just like the disciples did. Nah, God, I can take care of my dusty feet. Worry about that dude's feet. That dude's feet is nasty. You can cleanse him. I can wipe this dust off. It's no big deal. I think that's what we do sometimes. Lord, don't worry about me. I got my life handled. I can handle it. No big deal. Will you humble yourself enough to allow Jesus to come and do in your life What you can't do for yourself. And that is cleanse you from your sin. He loves us. He serves us. He cleanses us. And lastly, he gives us an example to follow. When he had washed their feet, put on the outer garments, resumed his place, he said, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do this just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know of whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me, I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one who I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. When you read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see demonic activity all throughout those three Gospels. And... um, Jesus encounters them all the time. Sometimes they cry out to him. He tells them to be quiet. Sometimes he commands them to go into a herd of pigs and fly off a cliff. And In John, you will find zero encounters with demons. Zero. Until you see <clears throat> the devil working in Judas. That's what John wants you to see. He wants you to highlight this moment where... Judas is betrayed. And then Jesus speaks of scripture being fulfilled. This is from Psalm 41 9, where it says this. It's on the screen. I think it's on the screen. Maybe it's not. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So, all the way back from Psalm was a prophecy about what was taking place in this moment about Judas betraying Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing that Judas was about to betray him, and which ultimately will lead to his death, turns his attention to serve those that belong to him. In verse 19, he tells them, I am telling you these things so that you may believe. The whole theme of the Gospel of John, that you may believe I am who I am. He says that you may believe that I believe that I am he. And, of course, that phrase, I am he, takes us all the way back to Exodus. It's the phrase, Ego Ami. And it is the same name that cries out from the burning bush, Tell them I am sent you. It's the name Yahweh. And so he's telling them here, I am Yahweh. And Jesus, here in this moment, as he lowers himself to this servant position, washes the disciples' feet, He's trying to connect the dots. Yes, I am that same God. Yes, I am the one that's come to serve you. Unlike anything that you've ever thought of. But ultimately, this is heading towards Jesus dying on the cross. When you think about Jesus washing the feet. When you think about all the way back when he talks about baptism. Back in John chapter 3, 2-3. When when he's talking about baptism, it's all about pointing forward to the cross and what would take place when the blood of Christ would cleanse us from our sins. And so, all of us, it is not love to direct attention to ourselves. It's not. It's not love to to try to take the attention for ourselves. That's self-seeking. Love is to direct attention away from yourself. And so that is what Jesus is doing here in this perfect picture of love. Not only is this love focused on them, the disciples, and serving them by washing their feet and cleansing them, but, 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 don't miss this. He wants them to be focused on Him. You're like, what, I thought you said love wasn't self-seeking. Guess what? Jesus is God and He can do that. Yes, He wants to serve them but He also wants that focus to be turned back to Him. If you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through you, you can direct the disciples to see His example of service and sacrifice and point them to do the exact same thing. So, how should we respond to this story today? Because the same call that Jesus... Uh, spoke to the disciples with in this moment. in John 13, chapter 13 is the same call that he calls us to. So a few takeaways. First of all, we should love others. Jesus quoting Deuteronomy, talking to a scribe in Mark chapter 12 about what the greatest commandment was. Jesus would reply to him, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love God. Love others. That's what Jesus would want us to take away from this. We are to love other people. Um, And if you're reading this week, if you're... Trugging along in our right here in the, in, the, in the gospel of John. You're going to come to John chapter 15 if you haven't read it already. Uh, in which he will say this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13 he says this. Greater love has no one than this. Than someone lay down his life for a friend. Yes. That verse is after what we're talking about tonight. And Jesus will tell them before he goes to the cross, greater love has no one than this. he lay down his life for his friend. You are to love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus wants those who are following him to love people. People will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Jesus wants us to act the same way, even today in 2022. Secondly, we serve others. We should serve others. Now, I had a ton of verses that I wanted to input here. But I'm not going to, because there's a ton. I searched a ton of verses that talk about service to other people. Um, This entire passage that we read tonight is about serving. And if... There is not a better picture of humbling yourself enough to be the God of the universe, to be the Creator God, and to stoop down and to do the lowliest of jobs to serve the disciples, to show them ultimately a picture of what He would accomplish on the cross. But He's showing them this is how you should treat one another. Does it matter? What you think It doesn't matter how you think you need to be treated or what you're above and what you're not above and what you can or can't do. Jesus gives us the most beautiful picture of how we are to serve others. And in just a matter of days, the picture of washing the disciples' feet would mean more to the disciples as Jesus would be hanging between heaven and earth and would breathe his last breath to pay the penalty for our sins. And just as the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up, so the Son of Man was lifted up. And to finish the passage from Philippians, Philippians starting there in verse 7, he says, But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He came to serve by laying down his life. That is what the feet washing was pointing us forward to, the cleansing blood of Christ that he shed on the cross for you and for me. So he came to love us, so we should love others. He came to serve us, so we should serve others. Lastly, we should point people to Jesus. We need to be proclaiming to a lost and dying world who Jesus is. And as the entire Old Testament is pointing forward to the cross, and as the entire... New Testament is pointing us backwards to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That's exactly how we are to live our lives. We are to say, look at Jesus. Look at what he has done for us. And we do that by how we serve others, by how we love others. and We point people to Jesus. We act this way. We live this way because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So, How should my life look differently knowing what Jesus has done for me? Or the fact that Jesus would do this for me? You know, the disciples, as much as the disciples were dumbfounded by the fact that Jesus would lower himself to wash their feet, it should dumbfound us that Jesus, the Creator God, would die for us. Because we deserve death, we deserve separation from Him. We deserve punishment for our sins. And the fact that he would come in his perfection, live a life that we couldn't, to die the death that we deserve, to give us life that we absolutely 100% don't deserve, that should just boggle our minds. But he did. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. Does that change how we live? It should. And if it doesn't, I would love to speak to you about who Jesus is so that it would change how you live. We should love others. We should serve others. We should point people to Jesus because he first loved us. He first served us. And he died for us, cleansing us from our sins. Let's pray tonight.